0: So when you're present in the moment, there is no fear, there is no doubt. Everything is available. So if, if you're, you don't have fear and, and you're not anxious about what's about to happen, right? So you're not time traveling, you're actually present. That's the optimal state in which to perform because you have the freedom to do the thing that you intend to do. Welcome to What's Next with Eric
1: Wood, where we will prepare you to make your what's next in life your best yet. Our next guest is Jason Goldsmith. Jason is a globally recognized performance coach having worked with six major golf champions and he helped both Justin Rose and Jason Day reach the number one ranking in the world. He has also worked with NFL, MLB, NBA, USTA, NCAA, and Olympic players and their teams. Jason recently co-authored a book, Take Charge of You, with my friend and former What's Next guest, David Novak, that I highly recommend. You'll benefit greatly in this episode from Jason coaching you how to become more present and get to a neutral state that will help you optimally perform in whatever you're doing in life, and he'll provide so many more valuable nuggets. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to help spread the impact we hope to have. Thanks to everyone that has shared this podcast with friends and sharing through email and text and social media. It's because of you that our listener numbers are growing up each and every week, and I am incredibly grateful. Enjoy. Jason, welcome to the show, brother.
0: Thanks, Eric. Appreciate you having me.
1: Yeah, it's an absolute honor. I want to honor David Novak at this time for making this introduction. I am an avid golf fan, wannabe. Champions Tour player one day. I have some leeway. I'm 36, so I got some time, but uh, so so we'll, we, we may touch on that at some point, but let's get in on your story now, and and we start off with most of our guests this way. Just tell the listeners about where you're from and what kind of athlete were you growing up?
0: Uh, I'm from uh, California, so I grew up in Northern California in a really small town, and and my sport growing up was tennis, so I, I, I was one of these kids that got up every morning and you know the the crack at dawn, and and went to the tennis court. And I <laughs> there was a little uh, like hamburger stand that was close to this public court where I practice. And I would the lady would give me a bag of French fries for a dollar, and and that would be the the only food I would have for the entire day. But I would I would play from from seven in the morning till I had to be home at seven at night. Wow, and I, I just wear out the tennis court. So tennis was my sport growing up, and I in the small town was a little town called Point Richmond, California, in the San Francisco Bay Area.
1: Well, that's incredible discipline, especially as a young man. You probably <laughs> don't have your coaching clients eating just a bag of French fries nowadays in your <laughs> performance coaching work. But uh, I, I just got to know: have you caught the pickleball bug?
0: I have. Yeah, you know it's it's uh, something that I was introduced to a few years ago. And uh, and I absolutely love it. I wish that there was more time to play. Uh, I'm on the road so much that I really don't have time. But when I am back in Spokane, where I live now, uh, and the weather is decent, I I absolutely I'm on the pickleball court for sure. Yep. Yep. I
1: fully caught the bug as well. So uh, I didn't have a tennis background, but we play with some other athletes and and, and we're getting better and, and we truly we truly enjoy it. And, and my wife thinks I'm crazy for getting up at six in the morning to go meet some guys. And we compete and we yell and we scream and gamble. And I told my wife, I said, that's that's what I needed. I needed that competition back in my life and, uh, and and catch a workout at the same time. So glad to hear you're on the same wavelength there. But tell me about your career journey. You've had a few different occupations. Ultimately, you land on performance coaching now. But what? Th- just describe your career journey for the audience that is unfamiliar with it.
0: Sure. So I, I graduated high school and joined the Air Force. So I was one of those people that joined the Air Force when I was 17 and a half. So I wasn't really old enough, but my parents signed. So I was able to join. And And so I was in the Air Force for six years. I was a military police officer and I was attached to a very uh, specific unit that that there were only twenty one of us that did our job in the in the Air Force. It was a three hundred and fifty second missile security Scout, squadron convoy section. So it was the first time that I really was uh, had had basically had twenty one brothers. So we we did so much together, traveled traveled the world, um, and it was it was great for me because it expanded my uh, I guess my idea of what, of what life could be. Hmm. And, you know, just, just getting out of the small town that I grew up in and, and seeing the world and having a, a tremendous amount of responsibility, which I, I didn't have until then. So, was so one of those things where absolutely needed it when I was 17 and a half and, and grew up significantly in that six years. And, and so when I got out of the air force, I went back to uh, Southern California because my family had moved, and, uh, I was going back to school at San Diego state university. And at the time I, I needed a part-time job. So I started to work at this boat company and, and I worked my way up through the boat company and ended up running the boat company on the operational side of the water. So we had 13 boats. Our largest was 750 passenger, wow. uh, two land-based restaurants. And, and so it was a uh, open 365 days a year. 140 direct reports. So it was it was one of those things where every single day you had something going on. We ran the ferry service to Coronado. and I did that for about 12 years. And um, my wife and I had an opportunity to uh, start doing some real estate development. So we had bought and fixed up some homes. and And really what that did was it gave me an opportunity to see if there was something else that fed my soul and that's really when I got into, to coaching. And so, uh, you know, in the book that, that David and I wrote, we tell this story about how I saw saw this movie slumdog millionaire and, and it changed my life in the sense that I had made a decision after seeing that movie that I was never going to make a decision based in fear again. And my wife really pushed me into why don't you do something in golf? And that's what started me on this coaching journey.
1: Yeah, because you were waking up at five thirty in the morning and going playing golf every single day. Uh, I understand you played every single day for a year straight. So you remain with that kind of tennis discipline. Then you take your military background Then you're managing all these people within the boat company. And then you take all that experience into performance coaching. And I've gotten to be introduced to so many performance coaches over these last few years, and I'm always just intrigued of what separates each of them. So if you had to say just personally what
0: separates you in in, in your work, what, what would you credit that to? So I, I would say to me my I, early on I was introduced to some technology that gave me insight into what goes on in in athletes' brains. And, and I would say that's the that's the chief difference is that, that I'm, when, whenever I'm working with a client, it is individual to that particular client. And it's really about helping that client become self-aware. Mm. So when I, I, I first sit down with somebody, I'll, I'll ask them what their story is about their sport, similar to what we're doing now. And I'll really pay attention to how they describe themselves and describe the, the sport that they love. And and typically, that will give me insight as to how to communicate with the athlete better. But also, visualization is is such a key in the work that I do. So, you know, working a lot before with this company called Focus Band, which was the world's first wearable EEG system. And, you know, going to University of Southern California and working with their Keck Medical Center and, and this doctor. Uh, Ming Law, who is in charge of their uh, neuroimaging department, and and just really getting insight into how the brain works. We figured out early on that if you're trying to be your most athletic self, thinking is getting in the way of the doing. And, And so most athletes, when they are struggling at something, they create this problem or this story wrapped around this particular struggle, and then what they try to do is think their way out of this problem they created, and that is a huge problem in itself because most of the time, the thinking mind really doesn't understand what the body's doing in the first place. It understands the concepts, and it understands the language about how we describe it. But when it comes down to it, really doesn't understand how the body moves. And definitely it doesn't understand it when they're being in the moment and they're being their most athletic self. So I know that's a long way of you know explaining what, what I do, but it's 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 really that. It's it's helping an athlete become self-aware and then giving the athlete the toolbox so that they can coach themselves. When they are on the field to get back into to being present and connected to the environment,
1: which is so valuable, because in those moments on the field, you can't be in their ear, even your NFL players, you're not going to get tapped into the headset that the coach gets one player on offensive defense, you're not into that headset. So it's how I can make an impact on them in that moment. And and I love how you just described that. And and I've heard you talk about the power of that neutral state and in that neutral state, that's when you're most free. And and I think that that anybody listening in right now, there are athletes listening in, but there's just so many people out there that could perform more optimally in whatever profession you have, if you could get to that neutral state more often. So how do you coach your clients to get to that
0: neutral state? Well, first, First, they have to understand it, right? And when we talk about neutral state, what we're really saying is, is being present in the moment. So when you're present in the moment, there is no fear, there is no doubt. Everything is available. So if, if you're, you don't have fear and, and you're not anxious about what's about to happen, right? So you're not time traveling, you're actually present. That's the optimal state in which to perform because you have the freedom to do the thing that you intend to do. If, if you're worried about the outcome, you know, or you're too connected to the outcome, or you're trying too hard, or your effort level goes up, then you're, you're not staying in that moment. And so if, if we can help athletes understand that the zone is really about being present and being connected to that particular moment, and the more time they can spend in that moment, then that's when they're gonna perform at their highest you know, then we can start to, you know, create some tools. But first, they have to recognize that it's in their control, that it's not something that is this mysterious thing that happens every once in a while. It's recognizing, oh, I'm having this thought, and this thought is taking me out of the present moment. So, how can I get back into being present? And a lot of times, it's just, you know, taking a conscious breath, understanding that the thought that they're having, they're creating. And so how do I get back to being out here where the game's being played? And, and normally or usually it's just about recognizing that I don't need to be creating this thinking, right? I just need to be in this moment playing this game. And then they get back into the game.
1: When you're at a tournament watching your golfers perform or if you catch it on TV, can you see them kind of dial back into their breath maybe before a shot?
0: Yeah, so you know, I, I work so closely with the athletes that i that i work with that i've seen you know particularly every single shot that they've hit in in tournament play so so unlike a lot of other coaches i'm out there watching them perform and and the reason why i'm out there is because their routine is not just physical there's a mental routine that they also perform for every shot. And so what I'm doing is I'm watching how they use their eyes, what their body language looks like. And I've seen it so often that I can tell when they're uncomfortable or they're anxious or they're, they're not present as they approach the golf ball. And that's the reason why I, I spend so much time watching them play is because I wanna be able to pick up on those little nuances So that later on we can say, oh, wait, what about that, you know, that five iron that you hit on that sixth hole? You know, what was, what were you thinking about? Oh, well, you know, I got to that and I, and I was thinking about the last shot or whatever it was. And then we can have a conversation about, okay, well, you know, that's not being present, right? We, we, every single shot is its own individual opportunity. And then, you know, we discuss it and, you know, strengthen our belief system and move on from there. Yeah, I've heard Jack Nicholas say before that
1: he envisioned every single shot in tournaments before it ever happened. And that allowed him to be successful. If I'm being completely honest, uh, there's a lot of times I'm out on the course and I'm doing exactly what you're talking about your clients doing. It's OK, well, I I, I hit the ball off the toe the last time. So is it alignment? Is it this? Is it that? and not just being in that present moment. So I'm going to take these with me out to the course and hopefully can report back um, some lower scores. I've also heard you talk in the past about goal setting and when you're working with your clients, having them set goals that are around things that they can control and not things out of their control. Can you talk further on that?
0: Sure. You know, so maybe before I answer that question, I'll go back to what you just said. You know, so so when you're on the golf course and you're, thinking about how to swing, or you're thinking about, you know, the swing that you made on on, on the last hole, your awareness is is in your head, right? And so, you, you know, so the, the dialogue, is, you know, you can hear your voice say, oh, I towed the last one. So this one, I got to try to, well, you're no longer connected to the target, right? So you, one of the things that that is absolutely in our control, and so this goes on, this, you know, helps us answer the next question, which is, you know, when you're when you're creating this toolbox, what you want to make sure you do is you create these tools that allow you to be present. And and, in order to do that, they have to be things that are in your control. Well one of the things that's in your control is is where you put your attentional awareness. And so if I'm in my head thinking, I'm no longer playing. Right. So I can think about how to play or I can play but I can't do both at the same time. And so when, you know, you being an athlete and in, in, in playing professional football, you know, that when you were being your most athletic instinctual self, you were playing the game at the highest level. Well, when you were thinking, oh, well, the coach said this, and I got to try to do that. Like you, even if you were just a millisecond slower, it wasn't your most athletic self. Well, the golf course, exploits that probably more than any other sport because there's so much time in between and and there is nothing's moving. You're creating Mm -hmm. all the movement, right? So the ball's sitting still, you know, so, so, you know, in golf, if you're in your head at all, your attentional awareness is not on your target. So it's not on what you want the ball to do. So that's why it's so important in golf that you look at every shot as its own individual, shot because no two shots are the same. I say that all the time. Like, like you're really in trouble in golf. If you're playing the game and you're hitting the second shot and it's exact same position as the first shot. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. That's, that's never a good thing. Right. But that's how we practice. Right. So, you know, it's one of those things like, like, like golf is, 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 you know, it's so backwards in a lot of ways, like, like most, most of the time people, you know, spend all their time on the driving range and very little time actually playing the game and then wonder why they don't play as well as they like. Well, because they don't practice performing the way they play. They practice on a perfectly flat lie, hit ball after ball after ball. So now to to answer your, your last question about things in your control, you know, there are very few things that are in your control you know, one of them is your attentional awareness. The, the other one is, is, you know, attitude that you bring to every, you know, experience. And, you know, and, and if you start to think about, okay, if I can create a toolbox where I'm goal setting around, I'm going to enjoy every single shot today. Like, can I bring joy to every, well, that's in your control, right? Because that's Mm. your attitude that you bring. It's, it's, better than saying okay I'm going to go out and shoot a 66 today a because that's completely out of your control you know right. so to me it's like focus on the things that are in your control and then you know set some goals around those things and then let those things bring about the other things
1: yep and and, and that applies to so much we always used to talk about in football there's so much that goes on on a football field that's completely out of your control but your effort your assignment, and your attitude. You can always take care of that. I would say to an extent your technique as well because we know the play, especially on offense on the front end, so your at least your initial technique should be on par with what's expected of you on that play. So I would often add that in there as well, but we were talking about the exact same things, and you could control what you could control don't repeat mistakes on a football field and then you'll get better and better. It's those that are so worried about so much going on and they don't create the necessary muscle memory to be able to perform in those instances that that I would see guys generally not succeed on a football field. What? Uh, so I have the book behind me for those that are watching this interview, Yeah. I'll but, but take then. charge of you. So you write this with a good friend of mine, David Novak. What inspired you guys and what what initially connected you guys to write that book together?
0: Well, initially, David and I got together around golf. So, a good friend of his named Jimmy Dunn. I don't know if you've met Mr. Dunn before, but he's a wonderful man. So connected in golf, and uh, and so he introduced David and I at Seminole, and uh, and that's really how our relationship started. So we started started you know this relationship where I would come out and occasionally meet with him, and we'd work on his golf game because he was really late to the game in life. You know, he spent a lot of time. He was a baseball player growing up and and then got involved in the corporate world. And and you know how that turned out for him. So, you know, that's initially how we started spending time together. And then what we realized over time, you know, as we developed this friendship, he would really coach me on the business side of, of, of my business, which is, you know, performance coaching. And so, you know, then You know, as the years went on, he said, you know, maybe we should write a book together. And I thought, wow, that'd be a great idea. And and he said, you know, it'd be neat to write this book from this unique perspective of, you know, I'll I'll talk about business and, and you can talk about sports. And it's amazing how the tools that we use, although we might not have the same, you know, vocabulary around these tools, uh, we're doing essentially the same thing. And so that's what we did. And we, you know, we sat down and I want to say it probably took us about three, three and a half years to, to, to put it, pin the paper and, and, and come up with the book, take charge of you. But we're really happy with it. And our hope is that it, it helps a lot of people.
1: Are you looking to save time in your busy schedule, but still want to dress like a million bucks? Let Jordan Yoakum with Tom James Company save you time. He can work virtually with anyone in the country and he can provide you clothes that will fit perfectly and give you confidence when you walk into any room. Jordan does everything from dress clothes to casual clothes. Also, wedding season is about to be upon us and Jordan can provide you and your wedding party with clothing that will turn everyone's head. Contact Jordan at Kentucky Clothier on Instagram and let him know that you heard about him on the podcast and he will provide you with a free custom dress shirt when you order your first suit or sport coat. As Deion Sanders said, you look good, you feel good, you play good. Let Jordan take care of that for you. Again, that's Kentucky Clothier on Instagram. Well, I got to read it about a year ago. I got to get an advanced copy and I actually did one of the endorsements. And as I read through the endorsements initially, I, I was uh, struck by who stands out on this list. It's a bunch of CEOs and big time businessmen. There's three athletes in there, Larry Fitzgerald, Tom Brady, and myself. And so um, I had some fun with David that he threw me in there. Or you guys both threw me in there, but that's that was honestly quite the honor for me to be able to recommend it. And for me getting into... Performance coaching, have this, this podcast that's centered around helping people make their what's next in life their best yet. Take Charge of You is one of those books that, that should be implemented in that morning routine, that morning reading, filling your mind with positivity, becoming more self aware and becoming uh, more aware of putting things in your toolkit. I love how you say your toolkit that you can attack each day and, and bring your best to the table. So, Take Charge of You is an excellent resource for that. And you guys did a great job. And the fact that it took three and a half years was all Worth it because it turned out so great. So I'm glad that you guys took your time on that and didn't rush through that. When I get the chance to talk to guys like yourself, I'm often intrigued by what what your morning
0: routine is yourself. Yeah. So to, to me, I, I'm a mindfulness uh, person in the sense that I, I have a regimen that I daily you know, that, that every single morning starts with just some, some meditation or just a mindfulness routine. So I, I try to set aside at least a half an hour when I travel so much, it makes it difficult, but, you know, you know, even if I have to be somewhere at five 30, I'm getting up at three thirty, and, and I'm, you know, going through my regular mindfulness routine and then I'll, you know, have a cup of coffee and I'll, you know, sometimes I'll I'll journal some stuff and write some stuff down. I know David's really big into journaling, and it's and it's helped me out tremendously. Uh, and and then I'll start my day. So to me, it's always starting with a, a mindfulness practice. If I'm home, then then I'll exercise and uh, and then get something to eat. So I'm one of those people that that like to exercise on an empty stomach, and uh, and then I'll start my day. So it's it's always mindfulness. I know I need to, to, to do a better job at the exercise. It, it's, you know, if you're walking 18 holes a day and you're, you know, out on the golf course all day or, or I'm, I'm coaching, an, you know, a client on a baseball field or basketball court or something like that, it's, you know, you're to me, the, the, the exercise piece, I know I'm going to get in a certain amount of exercise each day, but I really should do a better job of, of, of doing it while I'm on the road.
1: Yeah, I get that. And you got to find that routine. Just out of curiosity, at this moment, what type of meditation are you currently practicing?
0: Yeah, so for me, it's just really about attentional awareness. So I'm, you know, most of the time I'll just sit and, and do a breathing exercise where I'll, I'll just, what I call conscious breathing. We talk about it in the book a bit, but it's just really noticing your breath and then spending time, you know, if, if, if I do that long enough, then I'll get to a place where my mind slows down enough that then I can start to put my awareness on, on different things. And so like this morning, and this is something that I do quite often, which which you know, you, when you normally <laughs> when I explain to people, they're like, you do what? But like my mind, right? There's no limit to your mind. And so when you can get really still, if you can just practice, like trying to push your awareness to the infinite edges of your own mind and what you realize is there there is no side right so if, if you if you you know go, go through and, and and do a breathing exercise and and you, your your mind slows down and you get to where you are can now shift your awareness and and you know in inside that it you know expansive space in your mind if you can just continue to push your awareness until you like try to to find an edge you never find the edge uh, you know and so for me it's about cultivating that stillness and understanding that that peace is is always with you and so the mornings that I don't do you know my meditations or or in the past when I when I hadn't uh, I noticed that my day becomes much more reactionary. Mm. It's like, the, it's like the mindfulness routine for me almost builds in a pause before. A re, you know, so now I'm responding yes. rather than reacting.
1: Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. And I feel the exact same way when I'm in a great routine of spending quiet time in the morning and making sure it's scheduled in, it's amazing how much more patience I have with the kids. And, and you know, your day just doesn't seem to bog down. So for all those listening out there, you know, subscribe to what Jason says. You Download the Headspace app. Find some way to spend some quiet time in the morning, and you'll truly start to feel very similar to what you said. You're just way less reactionary throughout the day. Love, it. love how you said that. All right, a couple of quick questions, and then we have our recurring questions, and we'll get you out of here. But I, I got to know at this time. I know you're extremely busy with your clients. How's your How's your golf game?
0: You know, it's it's. I get that question all the time, and it's really non-existent. So I I travel so much. I, I played golf one time this year, and uh, and Justin Rose and, and the team were down at the vintage club in, uh, in Palm Springs. I don't know if you've ever ever been there, but it's a fabulous facility. And, uh, and they said, hey, let's go out and play a game. So Justin and I took on uh, his caddy Clarky, and his uh, physio Charlie. And, uh, and we beat them. I just, you know, so I I chipped in on the 16th hole to seal the match. uh, But it's the first and only time I've played this year. So it's, a, it's one of those things that I, I love the game still. I, you know, I, I, I'm looking forward to a, a time in my life where I can devote more time back to the game. Um, but it's, it's also one of those things that I enjoy coaching so much that at, at this point in my life, I would rather spend time coaching young athletes or, or whoever it is uh, than spending the, the five or six hours out on the golf course. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
1: What's your favorite course you've ever played?
0: Wow, favorite course I've ever played. Well, my favorite course by far is Augusta National. I haven't played it because I I I, I said I wouldn't I wouldn't play Augusta National until somebody I coach won it. So hopefully one of these guys will do it so I get to get to play there. Um, favorite course that I've played probably be a uh a golf course in New Zealand called Titterenge. It's just a little uh public course there. Um and uh my wife and I traveled there 20 something years ago and uh and it was just I just loved the the setup, the trees and everything. It was just a a gorgeous golf course and then later find out that Jason Day won a junior tournament there when he was like 15 years old. So I mean, who knew?
1: Yeah, it all comes back full circle. I'm going to have to do some research on that one. All right, we're going to yeah. get to some recurring questions. Besides your own book, what's your favorite book?
0: Wow. Uh, okay, two books that I read every single year. One is called Mastery, and the other is called um, oh, How Emotions Are Made. Good deal. I'm going to have to check those out. What role does your faith play in your life? So I, you know, my faith is based on this, this idea that there's a source energy that that what you give, you get. And, uh, and, and so that's, you know, to me, how I try to live my life is, is, you know, I figure, you know, one of the things that, that we bring up in the book is this, you know, this mantra that I have, which is in, in serving others, you serve yourself. And, um, you know, to me, that's kind of how I live my life is, is I try to treat everybody the way that I would like to be treated. And, um, I feel my very best when I'm helping somebody else out. So I think that's how faith plays a huge role in my life.
1: Before you walk out our garage door, we have a sign that says he who refreshes others will be refreshed and a generous person will prosper. It's based on Proverbs, it is Proverbs eleven twenty five, 25, but that's essentially how we try and live. I also love how often through interviews and through the book, you talk so much about joy. So I always tell my daughter who's six every day, you know, I ask her two questions before she gets to school. What are you going to make today? The best day ever. And what are you going to do? Spread joy. Because yeah. I'm like, I want to take all the pressure off you. All you got to do is have a great day. And spread a bunch of joy. And so it's all kind of based around um, very similar concept. What was your first car?
0: Wow, my first car was a 1966 VW Beetle that my dad and I restored. It was originally my mom's car. And uh, yeah, that was my first car.
1: Yeah, you're pretty cool back in the day in that VW. Bug. (laughs) Looking awesome. Do you have a favorite restaurant?
0: Oh, favorite restaurant? Um, wow. I like this place down there in West Palm. You've probably been Limoncello's. That's probably my yes. favorite place right now.
1: Yes. That is an excellent spot. And, uh, I may end up there one of these next couple nights <laughs> last one for me. This is what's next with Eric Wood. What's next for Jason Goldsmith. What's coming down the pipeline for you?
0: Well, I, you know, I really want to try to do kind of something similar to what you've done is, is be able to expand my coaching and I think in order to do that, we have this great vehicle in this book, Take Charge of You. So, I, you know, I've never done any real professional public speaking, but I think that that this book has given me this opportunity. So I'd like to try to help more people by figuring out a way that I can, you know, create some speaking around this book to spread the word that, that there, you know, there are these tools and people out there in the world that really want to help others, you know, become the best version of themselves. Absolutely. And you'll
1: make a tremendous impact with that because so much in the book is very easily applicable. And when you have the sports background of you, the business of David, you combine them both, you can really speak to any audience out there. And and so because of that, um, I know that you'll make a tremendous impact. So I can't wait for that. And Jason, I know this is an extremely busy time. Of year for you and and it seems like most of the year is extremely busy for you right now so it means the world to me that you you blessed me and our listeners with your time and your words here today and uh, good luck the the rest of the year good luck to all your guys out there on the course as well
0: I appreciate it Eric and you know what I'd like to do is the next time I'm in Louisville let's get together and see if I can't help you with that golf game maybe we could play some pickle
1: yes absolutely we are going to line that up thank you very much Jason (laughs) all right have a great day thank you me too.